ends well boxing. You're welcome on in. Ireland's Boxing Weekly Podcast on all things amateur, professional, domestic and international. If you'd like to find a link for all the previous episodes on any platform or if you'd just like to keep an eye on our social media, you'll find all of that and more in today's show notes. You are indeed very welcome on in. It's a privilege and a pleasure to be in your ears for this episode which has an international tinge to it. Going to start off in what I consider to be the 33rd county of Ireland and jump across to Liverpool where we speak with Carly Skelly and her youngest son Thomas ahead of her WBC international title fight last Saturday night. Then it's a hop, skip and a jump to Melbourne in South Australia where Newry native and light heavyweight Connor Wallace was back to winning ways. I caught up with both of them in the last couple of days before the fight but you'll also hear first from Carly son Thomas who did an amazing 120 rounds of on the pads in less than 24 hours to raise funds for his local athletic club. And before I get into the content and all that's coming down the line, I want to give a big shout out and a thanks, as always, to our amazing sponsors. Irish Power, the best Irish energy drink, and as far as I know, the only Irish energy drink on the market. Put a proper pep in your step. Whether you use it for pre-training or for Monday mornings or to even mix with a drink or two. Whatever you choose, go for Irish Power. It packs a proper punch. And also, top pro boxing. Irish-owned, Irish-run company, Dublin-based. Mike is the man to go to. If you want wraps, if you want boxing gloves, if you want boots, if you want kit, t-shirts, sweatshirts, whatever it is you want, top pro boxing are the ones to go to. Exporting kit to over 80 countries worldwide. Whatever it is you need, top pro boxing have it. And what can I say about Violent Gentleman? The best boxing specific brand in the business. Boxing inspired with a vintage concept. It's the brand that boxers all over Ireland are now starting to seek out and wear. Whether it's leisure wear, whether it's training wear. Violent Gentleman is based in Belfast. The best boxing city in the world as everybody knows. And if you don't want to believe me, take a look at their website. www.violentgent20.com Violent inside the ropes, a gentleman outside them. Behave accordingly. I suppose that those long evenings, the long summer evenings are gone. The fun times where you can just get out and about and there's there's almost no time limit on anything. And I suppose now to be even more grateful and mindful of the fact that lockdown is no more. Regardless of the figures and regardless of anything else, it's just the onus is on you now to mind you. But you're looking well. You look like you're cold. Get yourself wrapped up. Whatever the weather, whatever everything else is going on, it's a privilege and a pleasure as always to be in your ears for this episode. And there's lots going on. Lots going on around the podcast in the background. And I just want to give you a little bit of an insight as to who and what I'm thinking. For the next few episodes, I'm going to focus on the Elite Championships because it's it's apt, I believe, with the World Championships for the men going on right now as we speak. In I think it's in Bosnia. And uh, we've a team out there, a packed team. So I'm going to have, I've interviews done with quite a few of those fellas and some of the coaches. And I also have some interviews to go on those episodes from, let's let's say fellas from the from years gone by. Will I tell you who? Nah, that'll be, that'll be too easy. You're just going to have to bear with me, but I promise you, you won't be disappointed. And then after that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stray away a little bit from the, from the typical format that we're seeing quite a lot lately, whether it's sport, whether it's boxing, football, whether it's news, whatever the case, I'm going to try and focus just a little bit on my own style. I'm going to mishmash a little bit of everything, put that cheeky Irish brogue to it, and hopefully, hopefully, it, you'll keep listening. Keep downloading and following and supporting as you have been, because it's it, it blows my mind. It really does every week. And every week, we're getting a little few more. So we're not chatting in Joe Rogan just about yet, but Rome wasn't built in a day, was it? But that team... We'll give them their props. Sean Murray, Adam Hessian, JP McHale, Ricky Nesbitt, Eugene McKeever, Keelan Cassidy and Brandon McCarthy, as I said, are all entrenched now, ready to rock. The draw has been made. And the most immediate fights, I suppose, the ones that we can expect for the next couple of days. Today, Sunday, the 25th, is it? 25th, yeah. As I just double check. Uh, Eugene McKeever is in against the Uzbek, uh, Asuja Maklahudev. I think I've pronounced that correctly. So following Eugene, tomorrow on the 26th, we have Sean Murray is in the last 64 in against the Hungarian Atilel Bernath. 
and you'll hear from Sean in one of my upcoming episodes as well. Also into the last 64, tomorrow is 63 kilo Brandon McCarthy who boxes the Italian Gianluigi Malanga. And then on the 27th, JP McHale is in with the Serbian Semiz Alic. And we'll keep the rest posted as we go along. But big up to all the lads. No doubt it's a it's a step up for most of them because they've been just finished polishing off their um, their brand new elite Irish titles and they're across there now making the step into the deep waters where they will no doubt acquit themselves as they always do. And just before jump into that conversation with Carly and Thomas. Small matter of United versus Liverpool yesterday. Today, very, very hard as a genuine love the former season ticket holder. Genuine love for the club and, and for how it was run over the years and how it's been close to my heart. And to see to see the malaise that set in, I guess, is is I don't know if it's annoying, I don't know if it's heartbreaking, I don't know if it's frustrating, or maybe it's just a whole lot rolled into one. There's no excuses. There's no ifs, buts or ands. Absolute props to Liverpool and I've uh, got to give Stevie McKenna a shout out here. I'm sure himself and Aaron will be um, absolutely reveling in it because they, they, did, they did yesterday what what teams should do when they have their nearest rivals and their biggest, most fiercest rivals on the rack. They put them to the sword. They never let up and they absolutely mollywopped them. And it was painful for me to watch but I did watch it. I made myself watch it because how else would you enjoy whenever those good times do return? How do you enjoy them if you're not willing to suffer and endure the bad times? And I think what we're seeing is in modern day sport, not all, not everybody, but there's far too many who are shirking their responsibilities. What am I talking about? Well, let's be honest about it. There's one too many passengers. One passenger on a team is too many. But I believe now it's time for the biggest passenger and the passenger who has brought the burden to the majority of the rest of them. And who are we talking about? We're talking about Pogba. I think it's time to make the example. I think it's time he got given gate. I think it's time they just come down on him and, and treat him the way he deserves to be treated with the disdain and the disrespect that he's treated his club with. You know? Whether that happens or not is doubtful. Probably won't. But what you're getting to see, I suppose, a lot of the times now, and it's 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 very um, it's been magnified, I think, post lockdown, is you're getting to see people's behaviour, and it's not kids. Surprisingly enough, kids, look, kids are always going to have erratic behaviour. They're going to act a little bit the way kids are supposed to act. But what what really is, I suppose, a bit of a worry is when you're seeing adults who are carrying on acting and talking, and I don't even know if behaving is the word. It's 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 just it's cringy. It's it's sad, and it's 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 annoying. It's like there's a there's a disrespect for people. And I'm not going to go into gories or anything else, but you're all going. To, everybody's going to come across a scenario at some point in life where you've got something to deal with. You've got a scenario where there's I don't know whether it's a clash of personality, whether it's just a clash full stop. No, I'm not talking about pubs. I'm not talking about nightclubs because to me, they're they're just they're just a consequence of life. They're not something that I. I build my life around in any way, shape or form. I know and understand they do for some people, but that's that's what each to their own. But what I guess is it's at, at every point in your road, and no matter what road it is, whether it's your working road, whether it's your social road, whether it's your club road, whether it's your boxing road, whatever, you're going to come across a junction. Whether it's a T-junction, it could be a crossroads. But you are going to come to that junction where you're going to have to make a decision. And the decision will, I suppose, be like a little bit like a crossword, that it will impact on the next junction and the next junction and the junction after that. How do you deal with it? What way you cope with it? That's, I suppose, it depends on each individual. And um, I've had a scenario, I suppose, not too long ago where I had a junction, a crossroads. It was a T-junction, thankfully. And I know for a fact, 10 years ago, I would have dealt with it in a totally different way. I've had, um, what shall we call them, idiotic adults in my vicinity over the last year or more who are acting like, I don't know what you'd even call them, prisoners maybe, um, speaking and act, speaking and dressing and living as if they're gentry, but uh, absolute, the dregs of the dregs. And what I suppose the positive I take from this, and I'm not going to drag it on any longer, is me, 10 years ago, would have dealt with things in a totally different way, a complete different way. And I can say now, the wrong way. 
after an awful lot of growing up, a lot of maturing, a lot of searching inside and having to change. Because if I'm being honest, looking back at some of the things that happened and some of the things I've did and done and said over the years, I'm not proud of them. Have I made mistakes? Absolutely I've made mistakes. But have I learned from them and paid for them? You better believe it. And I just smiled to myself the other day. I was out for a bit of a ramble in the cold as my toes. It comes to this time of the year. Anybody that's familiar with this episode and these podcasts know that Al suffers with cold feet and hands. And uh, I was smiling to myself as I was walking along thinking, jeez, you didn't do too bad there, son. You dealt with that right. It all came around in the end with little or no casualties. And I think if I do pat myself on the back every now and then, well, that's a scenario where I absolutely did and do. Because I stepped up to the plate, my responsibility was to deal with it in a, in a mature fashion. Not to throw the toys out of the pram, not to threaten or even go further, but just to step back for a second. And I think that's what I like to do right now. Is Most, if not all scenarios, is just step back, take a breath, look about, think about it. And if you're still not sure, take another step. Don't act in haste. Don't make a decision in anger or in anguish and that's I guess what's worked for me it's it's changed me I actually don't recognise the person that I was to be honest with you um, and I don't want to I've tried to eradicate all the negativity all the toxicity and as much of the badness as I can and uh, that's just out of myself I want to recommend a movie to you and I'm going to close with this piece it stars Hilary Swank it's called Freedom Writers and it's a it's a very moving it's gripping, it's inspiring, and it's true. It's about, it's almost a modern day, I don't want to give away too much, but it's a, lo- it's a modern day take on Dangerous Minds. And it pretty much encapsulates all of what I've just tried to say there. It's when you find something fulfilling, something that you're happy, something that fills your day, something that fills your mind, and something that just keeps you positive, as I have done with this podcast. It, um, it just changes everything around you. It changes your outlook, it changes your perspective, it changes your mannerisms, and changes you. And for that, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to me week after week, episode after episode. Uh, even at times when it does get a little bit side-skewed side and um, distracted. But it's part of this little adventure that we're on right now. And, and as I said, thank you very much. So without any further ado, going to get on to the first part of this little conversation that I had the other night with Carly Skelly and her son Thomas. But before I speak to Carly here... I got to have a chat with her youngest son, Thomas, who was just 12. And Thomas had um, organised a fundraiser just towards the back end of lockdown where he boxed 120 rounds on the pads, three-minute rounds, in different clubs all around the city and raised huge money for his athletic club. So he's going to talk to me a little bit about that and then we get into the full interview with Carly herself. How were your arms when it was all finished and done? Were, were they were they super strong? Did you have arms like your mummy? No, they were bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the people here in Ireland a little bit about Marsh Lane Harriers and, and, and what put the idea in your head. It's it's a running club that you can go to Lane or to get good endurance and good pace for, um, for like running any type of sport. Most of the time we do half of the session and then half with Mick Powell. We do like agility to get us good with, um, like me and my brother. We do like g- agility with him, and it's like got to jump over the hurdles and like short runs with the cones and that. And just to interrupt Thomas here, Carly's eldest son Aiden was recently signed by the Everton youth setup. Um, he's playing his underage football there for those, and Carly is an avid, avid blue fan. So, Thomas has also just recently been signed by the Academy. So, two boys playing in blue to make Mama Bear even more proud. Yeah, so Thomas is signed for the, um, just got into the district. So, he's next to, to all go them. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's the, your plan, isn't it? And, and you're a red, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and if I told you I was a Man U fan, what would you say to me? And be nice now. Eh... <laughs> uh... And the man that came out to support you is a man that I've watched and loved for a long, long time as a fighter, was the Bomber Bellew, was Tony Bellew. How did that feel, Thomas? Made me feel like proud and for like doing the challenge. Yeah. 
It should do. It should do, mate, because I watched you and I was proud and I don't really know you that well. And I just thought at a time when there was a lot of adults were making excuses for not doing things and there was a lot of... A lot of everybody was making a lot of excuses and mate, you were out there leading the fight. The work that you're going to do with Marshland Harriers and the money that you raised, that's going to help you whatever you do. Of all the sports you do, what's your favourite? Footy. Footy. And and what position do you play? Centimid. Oh, right in the thick of it. Yeah. Or uh, Stevie G maybe. No, Javi Alondra. Oh, good call, man. Your mum's got a big fight at the weekend, hasn't she? Yeah. And tell me this, as the fight gets closer, does she get a bit grumpy? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're getting kicked under the table, don't worry, don't worry, you can, you, you'll be okay. <laughs> do you get to watch the fight and what do you think when mum is fighting? I think she absolutely smashed that. She's great, isn't she? Yeah, it's it's going to be great. It's going to be great and it's, it's, a, it's a win for the good guys. That's what that'll be, won't it? One thing to say, she's still not as good as me, though. <laughs> you know something, when my little fella, he's the same age as you, and he says stuff like that to me, and the only answer I have for him is, son, you'll never be big enough. <laughs> <laughs> Before I let you go, mate, and thanks for taking time to talk to me, tell me how much you raised, and, and what did some of the money go towards? I think I raised £1,582. You, Wow. That's nearly 2,000 euros. That's that's incredible. Yeah, tell them what the track looks like now. Uh, since we've done, like, mixed challenge and then my challenge, we've done, like, we've created the track with, like, they've got, like, new concrete. So it isn't all, like, the dirty and your feet are getting dirty and everything's dirty. It's all just stones. And they've also created, like, lanes. Something you hear me talk about quite a lot of in sporting world right now is the lack of character and you hear it shine through there in abundance there's a as my nan used to say there's a devil as big as an ass in him he's uh he's got a little bit of a devilment and i'd say if i could see him when i was chatting to him there's a a cheeky little look in his eye that says he's going to have the laugh any chance he gets so and all under the watchful eye of a very proud mum who let's face it she's balancing a professional career a professional boxing career and running a family at the same time Incredible lady, a special woman, and, and it was it's always brilliant to chat with, with Carly Skelly. And you know what it is? I, I can see so many similarities in the Scouse mums, and uh, I would say from what I remember, the, um, Irish, the, the Irish grands years ago who used to take that hands-on approach, everything was watched from a, from, a, from a very careful distance, not too close to crowd or to let you know they're watching, but never too far away to give you a clip around the ear too when you need it. If the name rings a bell and you're not 100% certain or if you, if you can't just remember where the name Carly Skelly, of course, as I said, she had that fight on the matchroom card back in fight camp all the way back last year with Amy Timlin when uh, there was more than a few eyebrows raised when a draw was given as a result. The fight, the rematch was fixed. It never happened and I think, as I said again, nobody really expected it to happen because Amy was the house fighter. She was outmatched that night. She was she got a very favourable result she went on then uh, Carly was treated abysmally she did everything she could to get a fight on that card it didn't happen they did everything they could to make the fight re-happen it didn't happen the usual politics that we're seeing far too much of these days but Carly kept working she kept her head down she worked hard she trained hard and she gets her just reward on Saturday night just gone on a Pat Barrett Black Flash card where she boxed for a WBC international title she lit the place up, topped the card in front of her family, friends and her fellow Liverpoolians. And it was an absolute honour to chat with her in the build-up to the fight as she told me a little bit of how it's been for the last while. And she kept her head down, she worked hard, she trained hard and she gets her just a reward on Saturday night just gone on a Pat Barrett Black Flash card where she boxed for a WBC international title. She lit the place up, topped the card in front of her family, friends and her fellow Liverpoolians. And it was an absolute honour to chat with her in the build-up to the fight, as she told me a little bit of how it's been for the last while. We're, we're three days, four days out, Carly. How are you feeling? Yeah, uh, feeling really good. Um... Yeah, it's been it's been a long year, and I've had so many knocks really in the past year. I was obviously meant to have the rematch with Amy in February, and that fell through really last minute. 
Um, and then I was meant to have another fight in, I think, July. And that fell out the week, fell through the week of it. Obviously, nothing came about with the rematch with um, me and Amy. And I don't even know whether you've seen the, the there's a change of opponents and everything, isn't there, Al? Have you seen? I'm looking at it here now, and it's, uh, is she a Malawi girl? Is it, um, or is that uh, Ellen Sim- so, Simwaka, is it? Yeah, so basically, we got a, um, a call from her manager in February when Amy pulled out something that's similar has happened to her, you know, to try and organise us both fighting each other for the Commonwealth title. Um, but obviously, at that point, I weren't the matchroom fighter and, you know, I just didn't get, get the time of day, really. So nothing came of it. So when we knew Amy was fighting for the European title, my team had organised for me and Ellen to fight for the Commonwealth, which has been scheduled. Um, and I've got a phone call this morning. And unfortunately, just with everything going on, I think there's been a few difficulties and Ellen's visa's still not ready. She's not been able to get over, so she's not going to be able to get here for Saturday. Now, I've only just found this out this morning. Um, obviously, my team have been working really hard behind without me knowing, just really trying to get something. And we've now got a new opponent coming over for Saturday, and it's for the WBC International. Oh, brilliant. A green so, yeah, belt. So, yeah. <laughs> Ah, Carly, yeah. I made up for you. I was about my initial reaction was, oh no, not again. And then, so exactly the guys have pulled out for you. That's morning. class. That's yeah, class. I didn't know whether to cry on the phone this morning, and then he was like, "Don't worry, it, it all ends good." And after, I was like, "Oh my god, I was all over the place this morning." <laughs> well, I, I don't want to get into the negative side of it because I remember messaging you after each one, and I remember we had organised to chat with Thomas and. Each time it didn't work out, and I and I just knew, I just knew it wouldn't be right or fair to try and do an interview. I knew, I knew. Listen, you're a realist, and I know you put a brave face on it. But when you've put the work in that you put in, and and all you got to do is look at you in when you're making your ring walk. You, you're a you're a you're an athlete. You know you've you've given up everything to do it, and it's you know by somebody when you look at them, there's been no corners cut. So you did message back, and you were you were you were honest and you were pleasant, but I knew in my heart and soul there had to be a hurt and there had to be a disgust. And I think you said something about that's the business of it or something, but it shouldn't be, you know? And, um, I knew after that first fight, I think anybody that with a brain that saw the fight way it played out knew that was, was fight was never going to happen, but for it to be dragged on the way it was and for you to be treated the way you were, in my opinion, it was just wrong, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. Because obviously, like, I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. So obviously, like last year when I got the draw and I knew I'd won it, I was, you know, frustrated. And then getting the rematch, I thought, you know what, well, there's another opportunity to be on a big bill. And then that fell through. And there's only so so long you can stay optimistic. It's not a did have a few moments where it was just quite frustrating. Yeah. But I thought, you know what, just keep going and keep working. And it turns out that, you know, everything happens for a reason. And now, obviously, Amy has gone for the European and that didn't go her way. And now I'm getting an opportunity to fight for... It's a WBC international, which puts me in the rankings um, for the WBC. Um, so, obviously, it's a world-level title. And I've still got the opportunity to fight for the Commonwealth when em- um, Ellen's visa is all organised. So by the end of this year, I could have two titles. Well, I will have two titles because I know that I'll I'll put everything in and get them. Um. So, like I say, last year was a tough one, and it's worked out in my favour. And you know, this was just meant to be the path. It is hard to believe. I'm just looking at the fixtures now. It's almost it will almost be a year to the day that you'll have since the last time that that since you won that last fight. But just like Tyson Fury, you got that draw when you were when you really won it. Now you're about to take that green belt too. That's. Do you think then you're, what you're saying is that you're hoping for a quick turnaround and get one more fight in before the end of the year? Yeah, so um, the promotion team that's putting this fight on for me, I've said that you know they're still in contact with Ellen's team and it was just a bit unfortunate because um, visa situations and I think with everything going on in the world right now. Yeah, thanks so Boris. So there's no, no reason. <laughs> yeah, we all love Boris, don't we? <laughs> he's definitely, he's definitely from another one. planet. What Pat Zuma Black Flash is getting us fighters out there, do you know, when we're not getting the opportunities on the, the bigger bills that we deserve. And he's, he's keeping us active, he's keeping us out there. And this will be his first title fight he's had on one of his shows, which is like, you know, this history in the making. And it, it's brilliant that they've got me involved. And 
and giving me these opportunities. So, you know, I'm really grateful for it. It's great to see. Because, you know, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, if your face fits and who you signs up, all this, that and the other, is whether you get onto these big, big bills. And you, like you said before, some of the fights we've seen lately, the, the poor. Yeah, they and really are. You just, you, yeah, you just wonder, like, how are they getting on these shows when there's great fighters? And that's not just me, but there's so many great fighters out there that aren't getting the time of day. The sky is the limit, really. You go and win your WBC title on Saturday you go win your Commonwealth title on Saturday and New Year's Eve 2021 is the polar opposite of what it was this time last year. Yeah, exactly. That's it. <laughs> it's incredible. But listen, I can't. I know you're a realist. We can't get too carried away. The few days now in the run-up to the fight, there's a bit of weight to do. There's a bit of work to do. Just sharpen the edge, t- take the corners off. How does it go for you now? Where, where, where does Carly Skelly go over these next few days? Do you stay in mum mode or do you have to kind of go away to be to be what you have to be? Um, to be honest, I've always still been at home because obviously kids and, and work and things, it's, it's always quite difficult. But for the next two days, I'll try and just really t- slow it down on what I do now. Yeah. Um, la- my last fight, obviously, was the one um, in the matchroom bubble. So I was actually away that week, and that's the first time I'd ever had that. <laughs> you were reading books that and was, everything. <laughs> yeah, that was like a different experience, whereas I've not had that. I've still been running around doing a school run and taking the kids to footy and stuff this week, but... Yeah, tomorrow when uh, Friday, Paul, um, I'll do most of the work at the end of the week just to, to let me just relax a little bit. Um, we all pull in together and, and they'll all probably avoid me a little bit because I might be a little bit grumpy. <laughs> yeah, it really is turning out to be, it's all turning out to be okay in the end when you get that win, isn't it? 100%. Like, no matter like how tough times can be, you learn from them and, you know, they, they happen for a reason and we grow from them. They make us a better person at the end of the day. Um, and better things come especially yeah. when you keep working hard and you keep believing then you just have to sometimes be patient and I think patience itself is a power just knowing that you know it'll come yeah and, and so many people can probably maybe think oh is it you know this isn't for me and walk away because you have so many setbacks and stuff but you know I've kept going and I will keep going and it'll come we got to shout the team out for that as well because they, they do incredible work in the background for you and they'll they're, they're just it's it's a very much a, it it feels like a family affair sort of thing you know what I mean it's got you and your family and then you've got your boxing family yeah definitely um and it's it's quite powerful in in Liverpool like a lot of people I think since the lockdown and people have had time to maybe like sit with themselves and they've never really had that time because you know we're always at work and busy and chaotic so as soon as people have had a little bit of time to sit they've started to really look at things in a different light and. It's probably been quite difficult for a lot of people, but but powerful at the same time. Yeah, and we've seen some incredible scenes, like last week's show with Fowler and, and Smith. How how divided was the city? Um, do you know what? I went myself to watch it, and it was it was quite uncomfortable in there because really? I think it, there was a lot of cheers for for Liam and and not so much for for Fowler. And there's one thing I absolutely hate in boxing. Especially, you know, when you get people that come to watch that have never boxed, yeah. don't even know nothing about it really, and they boo. I, and I just I think it's you, yeah. so distasteful, and I hate it. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, there was a few boos in there. It seemed to be like like quite one sided in the Echo Arena. Yeah. Um, and and then you know, fighting in there them between people, and I'm guessing that's maybe from like one end of the city to the other, you know, from who they're supporting and stuff. So yeah, it was a little bit. Bit of distastefulness um, and silly, silly drunken people just maybe ruins it a little bit. If we could plan and plot for the next twelve months for you, I know you don't look too far ahead, but what what would the the, the ideal scenario be? Um, so by the end of this year, I'd be made up to have this WBC international. I'd love to still go for that Commonwealth because. I, I, it should be mine already, so mm. I don't feel like I can sleep until I've got that belt, um, and. You know, I'm, I've come up a weight this year, well, last year and this year, it's a super bantam. Naturally, my weight is bantam weight. And I don't know if I'd, I'd like, I'd really like to go back down and be fighting. Like, I did have Shannon Courtney in my eyes, but obviously she's just been beaten um, by, is it Mitchell? So Jamie. that's who I want to be fighting. Yeah. Um, 
these these fighters at my own weight. That's for a good world fight, actually. Titles. That's a good style. That would be a good yeah. fight. You and her would be yeah. a good fight. I'm seeing this already. Yeah, Eddie Earn, Frank Warren, Pat Barrett, get it going. Yeah, get that fight yeah, let's on. Get you know? it sorted. Let's get it done. <laughs> Carly, I, the last thing I'm going to ask you, I'm going to leave it to you. The last word. It's as I said, it's a, it's always great to chat with you. It, it's it's it feels it feels like we know. It feels like I know you, and it feels like I can chat with you all day and night. But we got to shout the team out. You've got an incredible bunch of guys behind you. Um, you call them out. You t- you give them their props. No, no, a, a massive thank you to me, coach Sid. Um, you Saint know, we, Sid. we've been together. <laughs> he's been with me as an amateur, um, as a pro. You know, he's even coached Paul, Aidan, Thomas. So you know, he's 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 a massive, massive, um, big part of my journey. Um, and then to Black Flash Promotions for putting these shows on and giving me this opportunity to still get this title fight. Um, really, really grateful so for him and Pat, um, Paul Stevens, my manager, for, for getting this sorted, you know, when things have gone a little bit iffy this week. We've all pulled through and got um, sort of organised. And the, the family, Paul, Aidan and Thomas, for, for putting up with me. <laughs> Thomas, tell us what's going to happen on Saturday night when Thumper White makes the walk. How are, what's going to happen? Mum's um, going to knock it out. There you go. Home team. Mum, nurse, professional boxer, soon to be WBC international champion. So I'm going to keep things moving along. And we're headed for Melbourne in sunny Australia. Newry's Connor Wallace was preparing for his fight, as I said, on Saturday night, just gone, where he won with a technical knockout. A little backstory with myself and Connor. I was due to speak with him just before his last fight with Letty Letty, and uh, it didn't work out time-wise, schedules and everything else. And we had arranged a couple of times in between, but there was never any hassle. As always, it's whenever the fighters are possible, when it's available, and when we can make the times line up. And we made them line up. And I have to say, I think it was worth the wait. Genuinely was. I'm delighted to see that Connor got the win on Saturday night because as he tells you himself here, he's not the greatest of losers. Why would he be with a, a 90-odd percent win rate as an amateur and st- carry that forward into the pro game? It feels like you've been around forever starting off here. You, you, am I right in saying you have seven Irish titles? Yeah, yeah, I have seven Irish titles. Um, right from um, the juvenile titles, right up intermediate title, under 23... Um, under 18 the only Irish title I haven't got is the Irish Elite title but I was beating the final by Michael O'Reilly in the Irish Elite final Tricky that's that's touchy as well when you look at how that played out it, in the end as well At the end of the day it is what it is I, I ended up getting to go with McGregor at the time of the Olympics and stuff anyway so it is what it is you just So you were part of the I suppose the Rio the Rio cycle so it was those fighters in the build up the Mick Conlans the Paddy Barnes the people all the way through to that Michael O'Reilly. I, I was on that. I was on that sort of in that sort of group of them boys, and I went out. Even they took me out to the last training camp before the last qualifier, um, and it was between me and O'Reilly who was going to go, and then he got picked to go, and he went on and won gold. But I was out in Baku in Azerbaijan, and he went on and won gold at the at the qualifying tournament, and went on to the Olympics. Good on him, you know. Last weekend we had the seniors here, the elites, and and it was a late late different time of the year. It seems to be a different time of the year every year for the elites, but. Uh, there's a lot of people who probably would have had their head in their hands this weekend. They'll be thinking, oh, all the work, all the dreams, all the hopes. But you're a classic example that it, it, it's just a bump in the road, really, isn't it? Whenever you lose, like it's, it's, it can be all over in the, in, the, in the glimpse of an eye. You know, in the Nationals, you know, you can be beaten in a quarterfinal by somebody who maybe you should have been beaten and then they go on and then they get beat or whatever. But it's just, when you're out, you're out, you know what I mean? It's hard to take sometimes, but as you say, you just have to go back and, and, and get back to the drawing board and stay at that weight or whatever you're going to do or if you you know what I mean it's just there's so many different things that I obviously moved up in weight then eventually I moved up to 81 kilos because I couldn't make 75 anymore you know so there's, there's all different paths you can take Have you kept an eye on the elites here this year? I was watching them live on the YouTube you know and obviously my mother and father they follow it a lot as well I've been on to them and just with the time change and stuff but I would get up and set my alarm and watch it and two of my club mates um Eugene McKeever and, and Ricky Nesbitt from Holy Family Drahada, they they both won elite titles, which was which was great for Damian McKenna and the ones in the Holy Family, you know. Mate, Ricky is a mate of yours, is he? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was in the Holy Family Drahada. Oh. Um, we all we all used to share lifts going up the road. Um, from obviously I was coming from here. Eugene was coming from um from Mullaban or where he, he was from South Armagh, you know, and we'd pick up and made it at um at Dundalk there, Bad and then country. on up the road to Drahada. <laughs> so. 
car car sharing. You know, we we car shared up to like the like the, the, the no, no one deserves it more than them boys. You know, and Damian McKenna, they're working the hours that they put it. And so I'm, I was delighted for them to be honest with you. McKeever be that's a famous name in in South Armagh um, for, for for sporting reasons. Uh, he he's uh, would he be connected to those fellas? Would he be connected to the McKeevers? The yeah, players in the Armagh. I think there's a there's a Kieran McKeever place for Armagh. I think that's um, him. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure if they're related. But I'd say Eugene. Well, I think Eugene played a bit of gear like himself, and that as well. He went to Cross McGlenn to school St Justice and Cross. I think. Can you attest to this? A little bit of a joke I had with his nickname is Nasty Nesbit. How, how nasty can such a nice fella get? Can he? Can he really be <laughs> Nasty Nesbit? <laughs> I, I think his dog. I think his dog's called Nasty as well. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a Jack Russell, is it? <laughs> Uh, the fucking dog's bigger than him. <laughs> fucking small man, he's like Paddy Barnes. They've, they've got that narky small man syndrome. But listen, he tells yeah. me he tells me uh, he ha- he has to, when he has to turn it on and get in the trenches, he can be. But outside of that, mate, he's an absolute gentleman. Absolutely, he, I'm not exaggerating yeah. when I tell you he lit my day up on Thursday. Mate, you had a you had over 160 fights as an amateur. Um, you're going to tell me without doubt how many you won of that 160, but I'd be willing to bet it's a, a 90 odd percent record. Yeah, well, yeah, I had a, 142 wins as a as an amateur and um, with 18 or 20, 18 or 20 losses, you know. But m- most of the people that I fought was like, like if someone beat me, I can't I, I maybe beat them back, you know. As you know yourself, you're in the national championships, you fight boys three or four times you know what I mean whenever I first came out I was like geez, I don't know if this what, what it's like you know I come out for a holiday at the start and then but, but you, you, you have to nearly come to, to believe all you know what I mean like the beaches the fucking the weather what would you want to go home for you know what I mean yeah, it was the same as even that last fight the, the, the crowd of Irish people that come to support me the last time at the fight and stuff and then at the after party and stuff, it was like it was like a Conor Wallace after party. You know what I mean? It was all Irish people there. Yeah, and I'm laughing <laughs> so, here to myself. It's great. I'm laughing here to myself. I love that uh, you've got the Irish accent. It's, you're never going to lose it. But I'm as I speak to Wayne McCullough regularly, every now and then you get the little twang of the Vegas twang. You're, you've got that little Australian twang. I don't even realize it's happening now, but it's from like you know I do a bit of PTN as well. You know, training yeah. people. But you don't, man. You don't even realize you have to change your accent nearly so they can understand you if you're calling out a combination or something. But whenever the boys, my mates and stuff back home, would watch the videos of me doing a class or doing something in the gym, the shit I get after. Where are you from? You know, it's brilliant. But it's like saying uh, it's like trying to pronounce Cairns, Cairns, and I just got used to saying I went to Cairns. Yeah, I know. <laughs> because it's not, it's not like the way you spell it. No, it's not. It's like a Karen Terrier, you think, and then you say it to the Australians, and they look like you like your lunch. They don't know what's going on. What What is he talking about? Hundred percent. The people are great. The place is great. The weather is even better. Um, I'm I should be getting sponsored here by the tourist board for Australia, but uh, there, yeah. there, it is just a special <laughs> place. Them a good plug. 100%, yeah, it is, yeah. And, I, and I've said it's it's great, so- great Irish community. Good Irish just- community here as well. Like everyone comes together and supports everything. Even I used to train a couple of the football teams and that. You know, just a bit of pre season. But even the people, all good people, and then they they come to support you or if somebody has something on, you know, if somebody's running an event or something, everyone's out in full force to support it, which that's that's what I like, you know. You hit the ground running, you won your Queensland title, your Australian titles. How much of a level was it? How much of a... How much of that could be attested, Connor, to the experience and the level that you were at here with with the people around you and the lads that you were fighting and coaching and sparring on a daily basis? Yeah, well, I think... um, I think I'm only starting to develop even even the past six, eight, ten months even and from that last fight I learned a lot from the last fight that I lost even even though I lost the fight it was the ten, first time doing ten rounds I never went past five rounds before because whenever I won the Australian title it only went five rounds you know um, but like I just feel like I'm improving all the time now in the gym um, in terms of I think it's two different sports amateur boxing and pro boxing one's obviously like a like a marathon the other's like a sprint and I feel like I'm maturing now, and I'm only starting to come to myself and um, to see what the, what they're teaching me here. You know what I mean? And like spawn seasoned professionals and spawn pros and doing the long rounds because there's only so fit your body can get. It's more so in your head and the way you the way you do the rounds and stuff. You know. So when I look back to uh, young Connor Wallace, you grew up in Newry. It's a it's rich in tradition. There's sports all around the place. There's soccer. There's GA. There's there's all sorts. There's athletics. What was it attracted you to boxing and why? Yeah, well, I actually, whenever I was in primary school, 
I, I was getting bullied in primary school, and that's my mum took me to, to the gym then, and I ended up uh, going out to the boxing gym, Sacred Heart Boxing Gym in Newry, and that's whenever I just t- took it off. I loved it, and from then I won my first Irish title when I was 11, 11 years old, by one, by one forty-four kilograms. That's a I long time ago, Matt. You ain't making that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I would say your kids no. ain't going to be 11. <laughs> no. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I was a wee fat, wee fat chubby kid. Um, sure, my brother, he, whenever he was boy one, he was only 33 kilos. I was 44. <laughs> so the big big weight difference for, for, um, for being the same age, you know? Yeah, big time. Two things that say the weight and being bullied ain't going to happen anytime soon. That's 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 <laughs> such a classic boxing story. How soon, Connor, did you realise, and how long was it before you get this? Is a little bit more than just coming here to get off a bit of weight. I, I'm onto something here. Did, I, oh well, I think well, I used to get up and uh, well, always done my road work and stuff every morning. And James McCormick was um, a boxing coach whenever I was really young. He um, was real old school, sort of older, sort of you know what I mean, like real everything was done to, you could run do your run every morning gym in the evening you know it was just and that's the way I was just in, built into that routine and then I um, as I get, obviously you get the hunger for winning you get more serious about it you start getting to the Ulster camps the, to get in and get on the Irish team and just try to get better and better all the time and then whenever I um, whenever I started obviously winning and won another couple of Irish titles and you get older then more serious and and then I think whenever I was 15, I used to play Gaelic football as well, but whenever I was 15, I think I stopped playing Gaelic and just focused on boxing. And then that's whenever I, um, and 15, yeah, 15. And then I think I won the, won the All-Ireland when I was 15 again. And then you obviously have the under-18s, you're going away on the trips to Russia, the European Championships. The That's whenever all the trips start coming up. We got to been to America and that a few times and, that's, that that was it for me, and then I think it was full time training. Whenever I yeah, full time training. Whenever I was from sixteen, seventeen onwards, you know. So it's pretty much been your life. Tell me the difference, Connor, if you can remember, and this if you can remember in training as um, I want to win that title. I really want. All I want to do is win that title. All I want to do is win it. If I can just win one, is the old mindset. If I could just win one, I'd be happy. And then you win the one, and it's like, uh, well, I'm not stopping now. For me, I I I'm, I love winning. You know, I hate I hate losing. To be honest with you, um. So I was always just trying to better myself. You always wanted to win, to try and get as many titles as you can, as many trips as you can, just to try and be the best. You know, like I, I was never really one for taking part in sport, just to, just to say, oh yeah, geez, that was that was all right today. I'm happy enough for that now. You know. Mm. So how um, bad a loser I, are you? The same. Tell me how bad a loser no. are you? <laughs> no, I'm I'm bad. Like, but if I'm beat, I'm, if I'm beat by the better man, fair and square, I'm ha- like I'm I'm happy to say. You know what I mean? But. I um I hate losing. I'll, I'll I'll try and do whatever I can to to counteract that that loss and turn it into a win. You know. Your last fight in the build up to Rio was there ever a question of you staying on? I think my last my last amateur fight was against Johnny Joyce. He was five time European champion. I fought him in the Ulster Hall in Belfast. Um, he's a good friend of mine, Johnny. Um, he's actually pro himself now. Yeah, I think he signed with Frank Warren. Um, he was a really real real good amateur five-time European medalist and stuff, you know? Yeah. Whenever the boys were at Rio, I was actually in Vegas first, McGregor for the Diaz rematch. I was in his in his camp for that. But looking back at it now, after McGregor getting the win and everything, I was probably in a better place. But don't get me wrong, if someone obviously said to me, you got to be an Olympian, I probably would have took the Olympian, you know what I mean? Took being, I mean, as opposed to just being McGregor's sparring partner. But it's, it's a, it was a great, great experience of being in Vegas as well. And looking back now, the way the Olympics went for Ireland, I think, was maybe better being in Vegas with McGregor after we get the win and stuff, you know? Someone yeah. had to say to me, would you rather be an Olympian or would you rather be, a, probably would have chose to be an Olympian. Do but, you know what it is um, as well, now, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but now looking back, obviously, the way the Olympics went for Conlon and that, and it was, it was so so frustrating and so disheartening for them boys, you know, when you can you can see their pain. But I think when you look at how good the last Olympics was from from a boxing point of view, that's what boxing is about at amateur level. I watched a lot of it over here. It was it was great timing and stuff, you know. And the, the Irish team done done brilliant. And Kurt Walker was a real good friend of mine as well. And he was so hard done by, you know, like it was so, so close. But you know what I mean. And then it's just hard, hard to watch. But getting it back to yourself and getting it back to Australia, the, the the land down under, I suppose it's on an upward. Boxing is on an upward curve there, isn't it? It's really taken off. Yeah, big time, big time. There's a couple of. Um, 
full of exciting exciting fighters all coming through the, the different weight divisions it's just about the COVID's a big thing as well you know like obviously with fighters not being able to get to and from but uh, Brock Jarvis just made his US debut and stuff over and so there's people doing it's being done you know what I mean so it's just a matter of matter of time and then whenever the borders open up completely it'll be even better for, for fighters to come to and from and bigger fights international opponents international fights you know and that's um that's that's what I'm looking for, hopefully in a in a big 2022. You know, we're really really slow to come out of lockdown, to come out of the shake off. I think, not that it bothers me too much, but the pubs and the nightclubs are are still waiting their 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 final clearances and stuff. But what's it like there right now? I think I've been very lucky here in in Queensland where I live, um, in in Victoria, and down in Melbourne and stuff, and in New South Wales for like Sydney, they've had a shocker, they've had a disaster. But we've been lucky enough here in Queensland. We haven't been locked down for too long or whatever, and we're still able to train, go to the gym, do everything. But I think Melbourne has something like have had something like seven lockdowns. You know, like over nearly, basically almost two years, nearly yeah. on and off. But just a disaster to try and get any sort of structure, or if you're a business owner or anything, it was a disaster. So I've been lucky here, and um, one or two of my fights was cancelled and rescheduled and stuff, but. It is what it is. I think I've been I've been very lucky. I had hand surgery and stuff in my hand, and haven't probably had a good time. And here we are. So I'm looking forward to the closing out the year with a with a good win. Hopefully next Saturday night and and kick on for a big 2022. You know, there's the venues. They've got all the fighters. The young fighters is coming through. Like they've got. It's just it's just a matter of I think when it opens up, it'll, it'll really take off. You know, because that's the only way the fighters are going to be tested. Because we're all like they're fighting amongst themselves and stuff and. But there's only so much of that you can do, you know. Yeah. And that's where the, I reckon that's where the international opponents come in, opponents come in, and then the, the, the fighters can prove themselves on the big stage, you know. But for your last fight, many Irish people that watched it, including myself, I believe you won that fight. I believe it was close. When you look back at it now, and you're a week out, I would think from just a little bit that I'm getting to know of you, it's fuel now, is it? When you watch the fight back, I definitely don't think I performed to my best in ability, and obviously with the having that hand surgery and stuff before I didn't think the hand was going to play a part but you can see I hardly threw my left hand in the fight and any time I did throw it, it it done damage so like my left hand has been my best punch obviously it was me being a southpaw so since since the last camp of all I've been doing is obviously working on it so hopefully I'll um, I'll be letting the two hands go on Saturday night everything in life happens I believe for a reason and stepping stones and you learn from your mistakes and whatever and Obviously, being travelled all around the world with the amateurs and stuff, I picked up a lot of experience, and it, it, it's going to hopefully help me um, in, in my pro career as well. I think I'm only getting started, and as I say, I'm only maturing into more of a professional boxer now. I was middleweight, um, and then my last 20 or 25 fights was probably at light heavyweight. Um, moved up to 81, so like I hadn't been beat since I, since I turned until that last fight. I hadn't been beaten about four, four or five years, four years, I think it was. That was my first loss, that last one against Letty Letty. But as you say, you, you learn more from the losses than you do the wins. And a fellow whose name has come up early in this interview, and uh, we're going to get on to him now, is that uh, he, he famously said, and he says an awful lot, and has said an awful lot over the years, but one of the best he's ever said was, we win or we learn. And of course, I'm talking about Conor McGregor. You were not only a big part of his camp for the Nate Diaz fight, but you were also, you've become almost a reference point for, for the fellas that, like Tiernan Bradley and fellas who have gone on to become part of his camp in the future. Talk to us about that initial hookup. At the very start, he hit up Michael Conlon looking for some tall south poles. You know, he was in, in, in contact with Michael Conlon. He was looking for some south poles. I think he gave my name and Joe Ward's name and Adam Nolan. We were all on the team around the same time. And, um, he happened to end up I don't know I had a look at my, some of my fights and stuff or whatever on, and he ended up me Michael Connell and Paddy Barnes went down to Dublin one day down to SPG and I done some rounds with him and Mick was like yeah he wants you for this Diaz um, pretty much if you do if you, you give him a bit of help here or whatever he, he could end up being being there for the camp and stuff I was like don't be saying that lad you know you, you know, you never think of it you know what I mean I just thought I was going down one spot that would be it done saying that was all right I went to the hand get, just went and sparred him got on well got the rounds in then I ended up going to London to box in the hand get box cup fought had three fights got cut in the final and then McGregor was obviously watching my social media and stuff he was like oh I seen you got a cut wanted to get you for some more rounds of sparring and um, 
I was like, oh, yeah, no worries. It shouldn't be too bad. Hopefully it heals up. I'll be ready in a week or two. He said, no worries. Let, let me know. Plenty of Aussie and a good head guard, he said. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that'll do. So he was keen so from then, the start. He was keen. He, 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 yeah. You were pushing him. Within a couple of days, he texted me, how would you how would you be fixed to go to Vegas for the full camp? Like, I hadn't even sparred him again the second time. And I was like, fuck, it's Mick, and, it's Mick Cullen and Paddy Barnes and these boys <laughs> winding me up or writing me to the background. or something. <laughs> yeah. But Mick was like, and I rang Mick, and Mick, Mick was like, I fucking told you. I knew, I knew this was going to happen. I told you. And I was like, You're still oh. expecting Barnes to pop up somewhere. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you see, you know what the boys are like for, for playing playing games and you're playing tricks you know so when you finally let yourself so, believe it and you finally realise that it wasn't a wind up uh, it kind of happened that quickly you didn't have much time to think about it which is probably a good thing isn't it the next thing I know I'm, I'm in Vegas and I was there for the full camp seven, seven or eight weeks I think it was there so it was a good experience obviously plenty of spawn seen plenty of different sites and met lots of new people seen a lot of seen a lot of celebrities and stuff and seen what it was like at the highest level what's the intensity like when you from the time that you get there for those first couple of spars in Dublin until, say, fight week. How, how how hairy does it get and what's it like? Oh, yeah, well, I was obviously only there for the box, like purely boxing. Sure, whenever you watch back the Diaz fight, it was like a boxing match, was, really, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, But, like, the obviously, uh, they have all their different different types of training that they do, they do the jiu-jitsu, the set days for everything. But I think it was every third day we'd done the boxing, you know, and, it was serious, serious training. And I, on the other days, whenever I wasn't sparring, I was maybe sparring some of the other boys or doing my own conditioning or um, just keep taking over, you know. But like, it's 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 a mad, it's a mad, mad game. Like I, I don't know how to do it. Yeah, to I be know. honest with you, what? Nah, just so many different things and so many different variables and like you could be the best boxer in the world and they would just roll you onto your back in two seconds and tap you out, you know. Like McGregor has proved a few times, like no matter what he, anything is possible with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's not this. If somebody said yeah, he couldn't do something, he would probably prove you wrong and do it. You know? Just, just, he, um, just to prove you. A hundred percent, exactly right on this mindset and stuff. He's proven it many times before. Like even to fight Mayweather, or even like all that. They've come back from the some of the like the losses that he's had and come back and go again and go again. Have you have have your mental notes made for when you start breaking onto that world level that you can use when you're putting your camps together? No, oh, well, definitely just the way he um obviously you have your fun, you have your fun, but whenever he's training, he's training. You know what I mean? Like he the work, like he, he almost has to be told that to stop training. Like didn't tell him that you're gonna overdo it. The last, as I said, the last thing I go into fight week for you for Conor Wallace. What do you like to be around? As most people that would know me, I'm sort of I'm, I'm a people's person. I like being around people, and I kind of keep my routine sort of the same. I go to the, go to the gym in the morning, do a bit of a light shakeout, feel good with my strength and conditioning coach, and then I um in the afternoon I'll do my boxing session with Greg Eady. He's my boxing trainer. Work on a bit of pads, bit of bag work. I I, I keep training even on fight week, like um keep rolling over. Not obviously no hard sparring or no sparring or anything, but just keep rolling over and. Still able to eat a bit, like still. I'm not killed making the weight. I, I'd rather do a bit of extra training, be able to eat a bit more food as opposed to going without. You know. Well, mate, it's been worth the wait. It's taken a while for us to get to the to, to get to the interview done and to get the conversation, but I have to say it's been worth it. It's a pleasure to chat with you. Super. Thanks very much. I appreciate it all. Thank you, very, and thanks very much for everything you do for all the the boxes overseas. Still smiling and laughing to myself here at the little bit of an Australian twang that he's picked up. The pleasure was all mine, Connor. And again, congratulations on the win. As I wrap this episode up, Eugene McKeever has just suffered a loss to the Uzbek in his first round at the World Championships, but acquitted himself really well. Keep an eye out on the social media. Keep an eye out across the usual platforms. My next episode of Elites feature Jack Marley, Sean Marley and Jake Rappel and their coach, JP Kinsella as we look at the work that's gone on at the Monkstown Boxing Club in Dublin. That's about it for me and them until then. Thanks once again for taking time to download, listen, and please feel free to share the episode wherever you can, whenever you can. With these dark, cold evenings and dark, cold mornings and roads ain't too good, keep an eye out, take care of yourself, stay safe, stay sane, and smile. All's well that ends well. <laughs>